This episode is from a series of classes where Shakti Durga is reading from her book, Spiritual Mastery. Hi everyone, it's Shakti Durga and welcome to this episode of the Soul Talk podcast. Each episode is going to feature some of the highlights from live trainings, retreats, online classes and presentations that I've done around the world. If you find value in it, please text the link to the podcast to a friend or share it with your networks. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Namaste. Welcome to call mark number 11 of self-mastery, which is the capacity to flow around obstacles. Everybody would like to have a life where everything flows, is easy, enjoyable, where people are pleasant and where things turn out the way we thought they should where we win, where we succeed, where relationships are full of joy and love and they continue to be so after the honeymoon phase. But you know what? You know and I know that that's not really exactly what life is like. However, when we do have periods in our life where we feel like everything is flowing and we're full of energy and we're bouncing along and and just feeling like we're so energized and excited about life, at that stage, you could say that you are in the flow. There is a state that is where we are one with the Tao, when the river of life is flowing through us in a relatively unobstructed way. Also, when we're in the flow, a lot of synchronistic events tend to occur. I think of these as unplanned coincidences. For instance, you might be thinking about a certain person and then you walk around the corner taking a route home that you don't normally walk and there they are and they don't even live in that area. They just happen to be there and that's where you saw them. You went, wow, I've been meaning to talk to you and it's just a coincidence. They were in your mind and then, wow, there they are. That's an example of the flow that I was speaking about. I once had a woman come to see me called Edwina. And she was a very lovely woman, a professional woman. She'd been married. She had a child. Unfortunately, she had become divorced. She'd had a few relationships that weren't very good. She felt a little lost and as though she was doomed to be single for the rest of her life because relationships just did not seem to be a thing that she was able to manage at all successfully. Anyway, uh, she came and she had an Ignite Your Spirit session and we did some lift. And the result was that she released a whole lot of beliefs she had about herself and about men. She had a belief that you couldn't trust men. She didn't even know it was sitting there, but way down in her subconscious, it was the first thing that just jumped out during the healing. And she had a string of other things that flowed from that too. So during a couple of healing sessions, we cleaned up a whole lot of that stuff and she started feeling more herself. She started to feel hopeful and she started to feel peaceful, even though she wasn't in a relationship. Instead of pining to be in a relationship and yearning for partnership, She started to just feel really good inside of herself. She did some studying with me and then one day she decided to go and do a seminar at another school. 
and she met a guy called Steve and was instantly attracted to him only to find out that he was married. Things were going badly for him, but he was married. So they sort of became friends, but then not much happened and she kind of accepted that, well, this is another one that isn't meant to be. And then she just got back into doing her daily practices. She had to work hard on herself for another period of time and keep up with, you know, the mantras and a lot of positive affirmations and also work around her inner child and not wanting to always be validated by external people, which was causing her some problems, and also being able to soothe herself when she felt upset and not being needy of other people to look after her when she was feeling down. So she learned a whole heap of stuff. Anyway, about a year or 18 months later, she went to another seminar and there was Steve again. By this time, his marriage had finished. He'd been doing all this work on himself and she just knew that he was her partner. She just knew it with every fiber of her being. And they ended up a few months later getting together and having an absolutely amazing relationship that lasts till this day. And it's a case of she wasn't quite ready for that relationship the first time they met and neither was he. And so sometimes in order to flow around the obstacle, which in this case was not being able to find a partner, uh, Edwina had to actually raise her vibration. She had to get herself to a higher place in consciousness. And then as she became stable in emotional mastery and mental mastery, uh, and she started to feel some love for herself, then it was she was able to form a relationship and bring out the best in Steve, just as he was able to bring out the best in her. And it was a very positive partnership. Another aspect of the story about Steve and Edwina is the incredible coincidence of them meeting at these personal development seminars that neither of them knew the other one was doing. So the first one, you'd say, oh, well, random chance, that's just where they met. But for them to meet again 18 months later at another course that neither of them knew they were doing, that's where the universe is working with them. That's where both of them were in the Tao. They were in the flow. They'd flowed around the obstacles in their life. They'd done some work to do that too, but they, they were in the flow and that's when they're able to find each other. Sometimes when we're feeling that we're not in the flow, it's because we're not quite ready to be in the right place at the right time with the right mindset, with the right emotional balance uh, for the right thing to happen. So if that describes your life right now, don't give up. Don't feel bad. Just know that Earth is a classroom for learning and that really most of the time we're here on Earth, we are in classrooms. The curriculum is set by our soul, by the deepest part of our own consciousness. And so why fight it? We most will just go with what it is that our higher soul or the deepest part of our essence wants to learn. Another example of being in the flow is when you are thinking to yourself, hmm, I'd like to get into a project and, and I've got all these ideas in my head about this project and what it might be like. 
and you talk to someone who you think you might like to help you with that project and they say, I've been thinking the very same thing. I'd love to collaborate with you on that. And you find that the same kind of piece of cosmic information or news has landed in two or more heads at the same time. And this feeling of flow is happening. You can even expand this outward to think about uh, how some people are just in the right place at the right time with the right new product, the right new service to be exactly what's needed in the world right now. Those people are also experiencing being in the flow. And spiritually, we can sometimes have the sorts of experiences in meditation and then in your life where you go, wow, look at that. Um, there is something going on here. Uh, I'm seeing it in meditation and then I'm seeing it in my life. Uh, that later example is part of the law of correspondence, which we'll talk about in the spiritual laws, which is where if something's true on the inner plane and we experience it in meditation, it will generally show up somewhere in our worldly physical life as well. And it will be a way in which we can sort of know, oh yes, we're on the right track. Because in my meditation, I saw all these symbols of birds of a particular color and size flowing in this direction. And then that afternoon, I look up in the sky and there's those birds flowing in the same direction. Well, that's a little sign from your higher soul. It's a sign from the Tao that whatever else you received in that meditation, whatever else you're thinking about at this time, ah, you're going in the right direction. And if you start to watch and observe your life closely, you'll see that there are these signs of being in the flow of life. Being in the flow of life of itself is a bit of an art and a skill. And if you practice the other hallmarks of spiritual mastery that we've discussed so far, then you'll find that you'll be in the flow much more often than you are if you don't practice the hallmarks of self-mastery that we've been talking about. This particular hallmark of mastery is about what do you do when that feeling of flow stops and you find that you're beset with obstacles and it seems that no matter what you do, things just aren't working out for you. It can be a depressing time. It can be a confusing time. And so the presentations around this hallmark of self-mastery will have some tips and tools and ideas to support you in those times where nothing seems to flow. When a spiritual master or someone who's achieved a high level of self-mastery is faced with obstacles and problems, they go into solution mode. The problem is there as a creative classroom and if we spend all of our time thinking about how bad the problem is, this shouldn't have happened, denying the fact that the problem is there, trying to blame other people for the problem, all of these things, feeling bad about ourselves because that problem's in our life. There's so many ways we can fall into suffering. And by a misuse of our mind and our emotions and our energy, 
what we can do is make the problem a lot bigger than it really needed to be. Just imagine someone has a problem that on a scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is a small problem and 10 is a big problem, they have a size 3 problem. Yeah, it's annoying and yeah, it's you'd rather it didn't happen. But by the time they whinge about it, go into victim mode, tell 10 people about how terrible their life is, and have everyone go, oh, you poor thing, that's really awful that you have to put up with this terrible situation. And by the time all that's happened, the problem is now at least a 6 out of 10. And the bigger the problem becomes in an energetic sense, the harder it's going to be for us to be able to do anything about it. One of the tools we use in our self-mastery training is to be able to pull our own energy out of negative things and to be able to strip the problem back to the bare essence of what's the nuts and bolts of what's going on here. When people continually fixate and focus just on problems, generally speaking, their vibration is going to take a downward tumble. Have you seen that happen with people? What we really want as we practice self-mastery, is to be able to identify that there is a problem that we need to work on, but then go into solution mode. What five ways could we deal with this? So rather than our focus on why did it happen, we're going to focus on how am I going to make this into something beautiful. So remember that even to grow roses, you need some manure. And so let's use everything that comes our way and learn from it and find a way to utilize the different situations that come up in our life as interactive classrooms through which we're always creating. Flowing around obstacles also causes us to have the understanding that nothing in life is sitting still. Everything is subject to change. Neither of us, you or me, none of us were the same yesterday as we are today. Very many of our cells have been destroyed and replaced. Even on that level, we're different. By the time we've slept on things that might have been bothering us, we can have new insights by the morning about, oh, well, maybe I can try this. And the world has changed. Everybody's changed. Nothing stays the same. And so sometimes I think that the role of obstacles is to help us understand that we're not meant to be people who live in a rut. We're not meant to be living in a tiny little box of possibilities. We're not meant to be living inside a mind that is rigid and closed. We're not meant to be living inside a life where Our comfort zone is just getting smaller and smaller and we won't try new things, we won't get out and about. If we shrink our life down like that, usually the universe is going to send us a big problem that will mean we have to change the way we're doing things. So obstacles are not just annoying problems to be solved, they can actually be opportunities for growth. If you study economics or world history, you'll know that there are people in the world who are able to make opportunity even in situations where everyone else is struggling and suffering. 
There are just some people who can see opportunities. They're just wired for finding solutions. How can I help people with the problems they're facing? And that becomes their business and they do very well at it. So let's try and be that sort of person in the world. Let's flow around. Let's see the obstacles as opportunities for growth. I've met some people that when they have a problem, it's like they're swimming along in the sea of life and here's this problem and they see the problem like a great big rock submerged beneath the sea and they're swimming along, swimming along, boom, they bang their head into the rock and then they sink. They just go down and down and down and it's like they're drowning. Whereas other people, they go, oh, a rock. And what they do is they climb up on top of the rock and then they push off and they go to a higher, more brilliant part of the ocean of life to live in. Some people can really use an obstacle as a rocket launcher. So think about things a little bit differently and you'll be surprised at how when you flip into solution mode and drop all that energy of resistance, denial, blame and shame, we drop all that and go, right, I'm going to find a new way to put my life together given this thing that I need to solve and I understand that things need to change. When you start to be able to do that on a regular basis, chances are that you are coming into your mastery on this particular hallmark flowing around obstacles. When people disagree with us, there are options. We can insist that we're right and that they're wrong, or we can use our discernment to see whether there's anything useful in what someone who's critical or judgmental of us, what they're trying to say, and we can see if there's some grain of useful information or opinion that we might be able to incorporate into how we are doing whatever we're doing. Those who practice a high level of self-mastery are not worried by people who express different opinions to us because they're not locked rigidly into having to be right. When people feel that they must be right, they must have the last word, they must be the one who is smarter than everyone else, what you're really faced with is a person who's deep in their own ego. So my advice is, don't let that person be you. When you're faced with a person like that, sometimes you just have to cut and walk away and know that whatever you say, they're going to ignore you anyway. If that's someone who's close to you, like a close family member or someone with whom you're working, you may wish to do some inner work around that relationship. You might want to look at how your own self-esteem is tracking if someone's being disrespectful to you. It could be a sign that somewhere within there could be a little bubble of lack of self-respect that's just coming up to be released and that they're showing it to you. So again, we can look at every interaction as a way that there's something that I can use as a key from my spiritual toolbox there's always going to be something that I can work on myself. I can work on accepting that that's just how that person is. I can work on my self-esteem. I can work on 
Am I like that sometimes? Is that mirroring that sometimes I have to be right? And then I can look at that and decide whether that's a mental attitude that I wish to continue on with because it will block so much of life from us. The other issue we have with obstacles is all kinds of problems that arise when other people are going through their growing pains at the same time as we're going through our growing pains. I remember back in the day um, that we had a situation with some people in our school that weren't getting on very well. And let's call those people Jack and Susan. So I went away and left Jack in charge of the school. And Jack had been fine when I was around, but when I went away, Jack started behaving pretty badly. He started to be quite aggressive towards people, uh, started to order people about, which is not my style, and become extremely critical and judgmental of people who weren't doing absolutely everything 100% correctly. And this went on for the six weeks that I was away. Susan, the other person involved, was getting more and more upset with Jack. And really, the two of them were barely on speaking terms by the time I got back from overseas. And shortly after, Jack decided that Jack was leaving to go and study in another school. And so I wished Jack well, and off went Jack to explore other fields of spiritual development elsewhere. So then Susan was very upset because she didn't know how to handle what had happened with Jack. And she said, I just am stuck because no matter which way I look at it, Jack behaved really badly and I don't know how to accept that Jack behaved really badly. And I said, well, you know, I think what's happening at the moment is that what you're looking at is the flaw in Jack's nature, and most definitely that flaw is there. But what about all the good things about Jack? Jack, like everybody, is a whole person and has many, many, many thousands of attributes of character, just like everybody. Jack's got some good karma and some bad karma. Jack is very service-oriented. Jack would give kindly to anyone who asked. And so, yes, Jack's got this problem, and it's going to cause Jack grief in Jack's life until Jack works it out and fixes it. But now let's worry about how Susan is dealing with this. And I drew a big circle on the board and I put some black dots inside the circle and the rest of the circle was just clear. And I said, so what you're looking at is that Jack's the circle. Jack is everything in the circle. Most of it is clear, but here's this one blob of darkness when we focus on the dark in someone else, then what we get from that person will be their darkness. And it takes a lot of inner strength to be able to see past that and to be able to find some quality of goodness in the other person. And when I asked Susan if she would be able to do that, go away and think about it and come back, she was able to come up with six or seven qualities in Jack that she was able to admire. And I said, well, why don't you remember Jack that way and try and make peace between your soul and Jack's soul? 
because you never know when in some future life the two of you will be thrust together again, particularly if things are left in an acrimonious way. And so Susan started to send love to Jack, started to be able to appreciate the good things about Jack and forgave Jack for the way that Jack had spoken, not only to her, but to lots of other people in those few weeks before Jack finally left. Then she came back upset again and said, oh, look, I was able to do all that work on my own behalf in my own relationship with Jack, but now I'm told that Jack is telling everyone you're a really bad person, that Shakti Durga is a terrible teacher and is a nasty person. <laughs> and I just looked at her and I just said, whatever, you know, whatever Jack is saying about me, it's none of my business. I know the truth of me and it's my job to look at my growing edges just like it's Jack's job to look at Jack's growing edges and truly let's just be at peace about this I'm not going to add any energy to this I'm not going to blame Jack I'm just going to forgive Jack cut and move on so what what's happening in your life are there people that you might need to use some of these techniques and tools on are you able to see someone as a whole circle of light and yes they've got this fault this fault this fault and this fault but what about the other light that's inside them when you start to be able to see the light in others you'll be able to bring out the best in them and when you do that you'll find that there'll be a time and a place where that person is the exact person who's going to help you to flow around some obstacles that it would be very very difficult to flow around in any other way one of the other obstacles that we can face is built by our own insistence that the world be a perfect place and that people be perfect. It's just not going to happen. I think the world is perfectly imperfect and so are we. And if we can start to accept that about ourselves and about the world, then we don't have nearly as much anxiety and we start to be able to love the unlovable. I remember this woman who was in my life 20 or so years ago. She was a friend and we'd been through thick and thin together and she was married to a particular guy, Mike. And Mike was a very quirky kind of guy and he had a lot of very decent good qualities but he also had a couple of really bad qualities. And I used to say to my friend, how can you, how can you put up with him? You know, how can you stand when he's like that? And she said to me, it's one of the things I love about him. And I went, what? She said, yeah. She said, everybody's got their color and flavor. And truly, over time, I've just come to accept that that's him. And it's one of the things. It's wacky. I wouldn't have chosen it, but that's who he is. And I love him. And I've decided I'm going to love that too. And that's when I really started to realize Oh, so people's faults can be their color and flavor. That can be the, just the way they're built. And I don't have to take it on and I don't have to change them. All I have to do is accept and love. And when I love, it becomes hilarious. And instead of being uh, <laughs> always in a lather about why they're not being perfect, I'm able to just open my heart and kind of smile inwardly. There they go again, doing this crazy thing. 
So when we're in our centre, we're much more likely to be able to do that. But when we're out of our centre, more everyone else has to be perfect. Otherwise, everything's bad. Allow for the world to be perfectly imperfect. Allow for others to be perfectly imperfect and for yourself as well. And then you'll realise that our duty is to try and tend towards perfection whilst at the same time accepting that we're never going to achieve it and neither is anyone else. So it's a bit of a paradox really. We always try and make things more beautiful, more lovely than they are, more in balance than they've been. But maybe everything won't just stay in balance. We get this in balance and boing, something else goes out of balance. We get that in balance, boing, something else goes out of balance. And this is part of the way that creativity moves. Let's face it, creativity would be dead if everything was perfect. There would be no choices to make. There'd be nothing to do. There'd be nothing to improve on. There wouldn't be any new creative anything because everything's already perfect. Just think what a boring world that would be. It is imperfection that we have to thank for the capacity to get creative. And I don't know about you, but I really enjoy being able to be creative. One of the ways we can flow around obstacles is to look at where in my life can I let my creativity shine? And you get so much out of your creative work that it fills you up and nourishes you and gives you the inner strength sometimes and the fortitude to be able to put up with things in other areas of your life uh, where things aren't so good. Yet another of the tools in our armory is that we can call upon our innermost core consciousness, what I would say calling upon my higher self, and call upon the wisdom of the higher self to help guide us in our lives. To actually hear what the higher self is trying to tell us, we need to be in a fairly balanced and relaxed state. If we're very anxious and stressed, it can be much harder to hear our internal guidance. But our internal guidance is a very important part of who we are and you could liken it to a light that will always guide you no matter where you're going. So imagine if you're on a journey from driving from Shanghai to Beijing and you're in your car and you've only got your headlights to drive by and there's a lot of back you choose to take a lot of back roads and there's just not a lot of other lighting and you're on this great big long road and your headlights are on on the car and it's night time and you just trust that light. You can only ever see 100 yards in front of you but by only seeing 100 yards ahead you can arrive safely at the other city. The higher soul is like that. Generally speaking, the higher soul shows us what's in the immediate future. It just gives you the crumbs, follow the breadcrumbs. What's this little bit of guidance telling me? And what's this little bit of guidance telling me? And maybe we don't see the whole picture for some time, but if we get in tune with our heart and our inner guidance and our intuition, then little by little, we just follow this bit, we follow this bit, we follow this bit. And our higher souls know where all the obstacles are, whereas our rational mind doesn't. When things change, sometimes our rational minds have difficulty. 
Whereas our intuition just sort of rolls that in to the overall plan and is not bothered by it at all. For me, I think that part of living a balanced life and getting quite good at flowing around obstacles is to have a well-developed rational mind, but also to have a well-developed intuitive mind. And many of our programs involve the development of the intuition because it seems to be an art that many people have lost. When we're in tune with our intuition, we are much more able to make real progress in our lives, whereby we are happier, we're more balanced, we feel better, we're healthier, and usually also we're more able to make a difference in the world in a way that's meaningful to us. As well as being able to guide us in the ways that I've been speaking of, there are times when your intuition will be insistent in some way. I remember a friend of mine uh, back when um, 9-11 happened in New York and he had been due to fly on the plane from Boston to New York that actually was hijacked and, and banged into the tower. He'd been on the way to the airport and then... He just felt an overwhelming desire to stay in Boston for another day. He didn't really know why, but he decided that it was such a strong urge that he would follow it, and he went back and checked into the hotel for another day. Imagine how he felt when he found out that it was that plane that he was about to board that would, he would have been dead. So his higher soul actually saved his life. Very dramatic story, but a true story. I also remember a different way my higher soul guided me one day when I was driving home after attending some personal development seminar way back in my early 30s and I was feeling a bit um, expanded you know, spiritually because I'd been meditating with this group and I was feeling really good and really uplifted and, and I was so happy driving home and I was doing the speed limit on a three-lane road and I think I was going about 80 kilometres an hour. We came to an intersection where we shouldn't have had to stop because, the, anyway, the way that ro the road was, a ca cars could come in and out, but they had to give way to the oncoming traffic. traffic. So everyone was going 80 kilometres an hour. And out of nowhere, a car just came cut in from the side, straight in front of the car in front of me. And I knew that this was a really bad situation because going at 80 kilometres an hour, there wasn't really time for me to jam on the brakes and avoid that car in front and it looked like it was going to be a multi-car pile-up collision. But something happened to my consciousness. My higher soul just came in and everything slowed down. It was as though everything was going in slow motion and I had all the time in the world to look over my shoulder to see if there was anything in the other lane, to be able to turn the wheel, to get into this other lane to go around the accident, to watch the accident as I was going past and it was like it was happening in slow motion. I was completely clear of all the debris from these cars that collided at quite a speed and then I pulled back into my normal lane and I'd gone about 200 metres maybe when everything came back to normal again and I realised that I'd just avoided 
a really serious accident and that my higher soul had intervened. Talk about flowing around obstacles. I could have been in hospital for quite some time, lost my car, lost time at work, had to have someone else look after my child. Would have been a disaster to be in that motor vehicle accident. Anyway, um, I feel very clear that it was some soul connection experience that created this rather miraculous uh, time warp by which I was able to flow around the obstacle. And speaking of time, I have noticed that if I'm in a if, if I'm in the zone of being one with the Tao and I'm balanced, my energy's good, I'm not rushing, I'm not stressed, I'm just comfortable, then events around me tend to fit into my time schedule a lot easier. And I'll give you an example. If I'm running late, so is the aeroplane I'm trying to catch. If I'm early for something, the other person turns up early as well and we're able to utilise the time. These are the sorts of things that tend to happen when we are able to uh, be in the centre of self, connected to the higher soul. Time can bend and can be advantageous to us. And the last thing that I would like to speak about when it comes to flowing around obstacles is how important it is that we have a vision, a strong vision, and that we be guided by this vision in our actions. So I want, I remember a wonderful woman who used to come to our centre and her work had been in education and she'd been uh, studying at a university. She was an older lady. She had grandchildren. She'd been studying some extra courses at a university and she also had some um, children with grandchildren and she was looking around at the when she was at uni at all the people who didn't have any daycare for their children. And this was 20 or 30 years ago, so it was a long time ago, whereas now there's a lot more facilities like that. But back in the day, it was quite radical for anyone to have the idea of setting up a daycare facility at a university. She just felt so passionate about how this needed to happen. She spoke to the vice-chancellor of the university, kind of got nowhere, and then was told, oh, well, you know, if you can sort of get all the bits together, you can use this building over here that we're not using for anything at the moment. And then she did. She just held a vision and she just got everything together and she made that childcare centre happen. The vice-chancellor couldn't believe it. And then the following year she said, well, it's up, it's happening, it's serving all these people. Now, how about funding it? And he said, well, how much do you, do you need? She said, well, I don't know yet because I don't know how many people are going to use the service. And he said, well, you better sort that out then. And anyway, she, she was the sort of person who saw the vision and knew that she would gather the resources to make the vision happen. He was the person who was limited to, if it doesn't fit within this budget, it can't happen. So when we're dealing with spiritual mastery and self-mastery, we're not bound by the same kind of logic that we're bound by if we're coming from our purely rational self. If our vision is strong enough and our intention is really clear, something we want to do for the good of others, then the money will come, the resources will come, the people will come to support you in what you're doing. It mightn't happen immediately. There may be many obstacles that you need to overcome. 
But if you approach it with skillfulness, with dedication, with devotion, and you're there in service, you're humble and in your heart with it, and your vision is clear, you'll be amazed at what the Tao will flow your way to allow you to make the impossible a reality. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Soul Talk. I hope the podcast has served you in creating a happier and more abundant life. If you've enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to connect with me, head over to shaktidurga.com.